You are listening to the Sermon Podcast for Triumph Lutheran Brethren Church. Our vision is to see the life and message of Jesus transform hearts, homes, and cities. Wherever you are, our prayer is that God would meet you and that the life and message of Jesus would transform your life. To find more resources, go to triumphlbc.org. It's good to be here this morning. Last week we started a new series called The King Said. It's this portion of our year-long look at the Gospel of Mark where we take a look at some of those things that Jesus said that didn't really fit into the other series that we've done throughout the year. And, and this morning, we're going to take a look at a section from Mark chapter 3, and it's a section about family. So let me start by acknowledging that family is a difficult subject. Maybe better to say maybe a touchy subject, right? Some of you, some of you here uh, have heard me say that this is about family, and as soon as I said that, perhaps your mouth started to dry up and your throat tightened just a little bit. Maybe when I said this is about family, uh, your blood pressure increased and your heart rate sped up because family is something you'd rather not talk about. Some of us in here, without question, have had an experience with family that makes that a subject that, frankly, it's just easier to ignore. Others of us in here, I suppose, have just the opposite reaction. This is about family. <sighs> family leaves me with a, leaves some of us with a kind of a warm ish, fuzzy ish feeling. It's like I, I, I love family. Um, it, it, it helps, I relax when we're talking about family. I'm, I'm comfortable. And that's maybe even I welcome that conversation. But whichever side or whichever end of that spectrum you're on, and I suspect almost all of us are somewhere in the middle, not all the way at either end, but, but wherever you're at, I think we can agree that family oftentimes is stressful. I mean, even the good ones, right? They're stressful. And certainly the difficult times are stressful. I remember in the first few years that Cindy and I were married, this just came home to me. Because we come from very, very different families. <coughs> Excuse me. Although we were raised very similarly, we had a very similar background, we had a very similar upbringing. She grew up on a dairy farm. You milk cows twice a day. That, that dominates family life on a dairy farm. I grew up in a dairy farm. And, you know, strangely enough, we also milked cows twice a day. <coughs> 
And there were just a lot of things that we thought going into marriage that we were a lot alike. She grew up in a Norwegian Lutheran community and I grew up in a Norwegian Lutheran community. And, and then reality set in. And I realized that my family has ways of operating that are very, very different from the way Cindy's family operates. You know, and my family has a way of, of communicating, kind of a unique way of communicating. Some might say a dysfunctional way of communicating that, that's different from the way Cindy's family communicates. It's not, it's not serious dysfunction by some standards, but, but, but I came to realize, the more I got to know Cindy's family, the more I began to realize that there are some real uniquenesses and, and some real particular things about our families that, that make them different and that make them unique. We're going to find out today that even Jesus' family doesn't always operate the way you'd think it would have or could have or should have. Maybe, maybe you've heard somebody use the phrase, or maybe you've used the phrase, blood is thicker than water. Right? Blood is thicker than water. It's a way that we communicate that those of us who have families that are connected by our genetics... Or maybe even if we don't, the idea, if blood is family, then, then among other things, what we're saying is, you know, the way my family works and operates, the uniquenesses, the difficulties, the quirks of my family, when it all comes down to it, I'm stuck with that. Because blood's thicker than water. And it binds us together somehow. In our text today, we get a little insight into Jesus' family. His, first of all, his physical family, but in other ways too. It comes from Mark chapter 3, and it's just five verses. Mark chapter 3, verses 31 through 35. And his mother and his brothers came... And standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, my sister, and my mother. As we pick up this story, Mark is, Mark is picking up on a story that he started a few verses earlier in chapter 3. What, what had happened was Jesus had been out teaching and preaching and he was beginning to draw a crowd. In fact, he was beginning to draw pretty significant crowds. 
And in verses 20 and 21, uh, Mark finishes one of these teaching moments by saying, or, or by writing, he went home, Jesus went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard of it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying he's out of his mind. So, Jesus' mother and brothers are, they're planning an intervention. Right? And, and after all, wouldn't you? I mean, if, if I had a son, if my son was out speaking, gathering this kind of attention, he couldn't even eat. I mean, they wouldn't even let him eat. I'd begin to get concerned. I, I, I wonder what, I wonder why they were going to do that. What, what do you suppose, well, there's several possibilities, right? One of them is that they want to save him from the crowds. The crowds are pressing in, they want to save him. We've got to go in and intervene, we've got to get a hold of Jesus, we've got to get him someplace where he can relax and he can be away from the crowds. That's a possibility, it's also a possibility that they want to get him away from the religious leaders that are gathering. Uh, in the in-between section, the religious leaders who gathered accused him of being a child of Satan. And, and I can understand why his family might say, you know what, those guys are going to be trouble. If you know the end of the story, you know that's absolutely a right assumption. Those guys are going to be trouble. We've got to go rescue Jesus from the religious leadership that's causing all this trouble for him. A third possibility. Perhaps they come to seize him because they need to save the family's reputation. Right? He's saying crazy stuff. They're... I hesitate to even ask, but have any of you had a sibling that says crazy stuff? And it's like, wait a minute, that's not me. You know, don't, don't bring that down on my family. But I think the text indicates that the most likely reason why they're going to seize Jesus is because they want to save him from himself. Verse 21 says they were saying, he's out of his mind. And they go to where he's at to rescue him from himself. And, and one of the hard things about this is that his mother Mary is one of the people at the door I mean, we have other places in Scripture. Mary gets this. Or at least she's supposed to. You remember the story when, when Mary first became pregnant and an angel visited her and the angel visited Joseph, her betrothed, and the angel said, give him the name Jesus because he'll save his people from their sins. Mary, Mary knew this. And yet there she is at the door with her brothers going, we got to get him out of here. 
We got to do something. So they show up outside the door. They can't get in because it, the, the building is full or the venue. I, I don't know if it was all indoors or indoors and outdoors or somebody's. I, we aren't given all those specifics. We're left to assume, but the gathering area was full. And they can't get in. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, well, probably not a guard, probably more like an usher. Maybe it's an usher who's at the door and kind of going, hey, there's, I'm sorry. There, you can't, there's no room in here. You, you got to stay on the outside. So maybe they tell this person, hey, we're Jesus' mother and brothers and we need him to come with us. Or maybe they just got into the back and realized we're, we're never going to get inside there. So they whispered to whoever was near the back door, hey, can you, Jesus needs to know we're here. Can you, you know, pass the word on? And the next person passes the word on. Tell Jesus his family's here. <clears throat> However it happened, word gets to the front. Jesus your family's here, and they're saying you need to come with them. Almost all of that makes sense to me up until this point. And then Jesus says the thing that makes this whole passage difficult for me. He responds to this request by saying... In essence, family? What family? Specifically, he says, who are my mother and my brothers? I'm thinking, well, they're the people outside the door, Jesus. <laughs> you remember the, the woman who raised you? That's, right? Who are my mother and, and my brothers? And, and I have a difficult time with it because it sounds like he's discounting them. Right? It sounds like he's brushing them off. Almost disowning them. Like, I don't have any family. I don't have mother and brothers. That's the way that first question comes off. But we know from reading the rest of Scripture, and knowing what else we see in Scripture, that Jesus doesn't disown them at all. In fact, one of his last actions, one of the last things he does as he's hanging on the cross before he dies for your sin and mine, he makes sure his mother is cared for. So he's not disowning them. And inside of me, my heart kind of goes, that's good. He's not disowning them, but he is defining, or shall I say redefining, what his family is. He's redefining who his family is. As if to say, oh, let's talk about family here at my feet, emotions to those around him, here 
at my feet is my family. At his feet were followers of his. Sitting there at his feet, looking up at him and looking to him for hope. Sitting at his feet and looking to him for redemption. Hanging on his every word. And waiting to see how is this Jesus going to redeem us? And Jesus says, those who sit at my feet and look to me for hope and redemption, that's my family. The ones who do the will of God are my mother and my brothers and my sisters. They are my family. It's also interesting to me, by the way, that Jesus doesn't take this opportunity to identify his own deity. This would be the perfect opportunity for him not to, not to say whoever does God's will is my family, but whoever does my will. He doesn't say it that way. I'm not sure his followers were ready for that just yet. It comes, he says that often later on, he identifies himself that way, but not here. Here he says, whoever does the will of God, that's my family. So what's the will of God? Well, among other places in scripture, one of the places we find a, a clear statement about God's will is in Timothy. Timothy writes in his letter that God desires all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. God desires that everyone, like this family, like God desires that everyone sit at Jesus' feet and look to him for hope and redemption. And Jesus says, if that's you, you're my family. It means you belong. But then we're back to family again, right? For some of you, the fact that you may be a part of God's family is not good news. Some of you might be sitting here thinking, the last thing I need is another family. The family or families that you have are already more than you can bear, perhaps. But if, but if family is a difficult thing for you, if family is uncomfortable or really, really hard, if you're not sure you want to belong to another family, don't don't turn away just yet because if there's something in your heart that desires a good family, a better family, a family where you fit 
and where you belong, a family where no matter what your quirks or no matter what your uniquenesses or no matter what your particular dysfunctions are, you belong there. If that's you and you desire that kind of a family, whatever your own family experience is like, if you desire a family like that, then this is worth a try. This is a family where you belong no matter what. Maybe it's true that blood is thicker than water. Maybe it's true that somehow there are, there are things about family that bind us together in, in really important and significant ways. So much more the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus binds us together. His forgiveness, his sacrifice, his shed blood binds us together in a way that is even more significant than our usual kinds of family ties. The blood of Jesus means even if you have no family, you have family. It means even if you feel like you don't belong anywhere, you do belong here, here, at the foot of the cross, at the feet of Jesus, looking to him for hope and redemption. That's where you always belong. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to shed his blood that we might be reconciled to you and that we might be reconciled to each other. Thank you, Lord, that, that you tell us so clearly that, that we belong. Lord, we don't feel oftentimes, we don't feel like we fit. Thank you for accepting us just as we are because of Jesus. Lord, grant that we would accept your grace and your mercy and your promises as our very own. Thank you that we belong to you. Amen. Hey, I'm Pastor Doug. I, I just want to take a minute and to say thank you for downloading or, or streaming this content today. We at Triumph pray that it will transform your heart and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. I have three quick thoughts that I just want to share with you and it'll, it'll only take a minute. First, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd be willing, visit our website at triumphlbc.org connect 
and let us know how we can reach out to you. Or, or you can visit triumphlbc.org events to find an activity that you could jump into. Second, we hope that you see this content as supplementary in your walk with Jesus. Our, our digital content isn't really designed to be a replacement for belonging and engaging with a gospel community, whether that's here at Triumph or another church. And third, we invest a lot into producing this content and it's used to bless people like you and others all over our community. If this or really any of our other resources that you find online have been a blessing to you, would you consider giving? It's because of your generosity that we're able to continue creating and serving online. Thanks again and may the Lord bless you.